0: Thank you for downloading or watching our sermon series titled Redeemed in Christ. We're going through the Heidelberg Catechism. The Catechism is written in 1563 using a question and answer format. The Catechism's goal is to instruct the Lord's people to understand the Reformed faith by answering common questions from the scripture. Please join us as we walk through this historic document and ponder the Lord's grace and mercy as we are reminded that we are redeemed in Christ. When Christ gives the Sermon on the Mount, as we read this morning for our reading of the law, at least part of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we find that Christ is rather uh, specific in terms of the law cutting to the heart. Uh, This is probably because we as human beings, uh, we like to think of ourselves as being a lot better than what we are. And so when the Lord gives the law, he's making it so we can't find little technicalities to make ourselves uh, feel better than we ought to feel and and to think that we can stand in our own righteousness, our own uh, comfort or contentment in our own works. But understand we need Christ, his power and his righteousness to uh, truly move us from a place of death to a place of life as he does so in his spirit. So as the law of God cuts to the heart, one of the things I, I guess one of the many things I appreciate about the Catechism, is how the Catechism takes the law of God and walks us through the deeper implications of the law of God. And so we see this with murder. Uh, Many times they can say, well, I'm not a murderer. I've never uh, taken a life. I've never uh, actually uh, sought to destroy someone physically or, or, or murdered them in a very literal sense. And the Catechism points out how at the reality of it is we're, we're all murderers. We all struggle with this when we really understand the deeper implications of this. So what is the Lord really telling us in terms of murder? Um, what does it mean and, and how do we live this out? So walking through uh, the question and answers, we'll see first, murder is a hard issue, answer 105. We'll see that Murder has deeper meanings or implications, uh, answer 106. And finally, there's murder's resolution, where we look at uh, what the Apostle Paul reminds us in terms of our positive call. And so murder being a heart issue, uh, we notice um, one of the things that the Catechism tells us is this is a physical reality. I mean, there is actual physical life at stake. The Catechism tells us, I do not endanger myself. Uh, So it's extending... Murder to a place where we just put ourselves in a line and see if God can deliver us or live irresponsibly. So the catechism is reminding us we're not to do that. It's also reminding us that the government is armed with the sword to prevent real physical murder. Uh, So we don't want to say that there are no physical implications with murder. Obviously, taking of a human life uh, outside the realm of self-defense uh, without any justification is, is sin. It's wrong. That's murder. Now, when we talk about this in terms of Reformed people, uh, we say there may be situations where we can defend life or preserve life. Uh, we can think of some examples in Scripture. Uh, we think of John the Baptist when he exhorts uh, the Roman soldiers. He tells them to be content with their wages. Now, we may say, why does he say that? Well, If you're familiar with mafia history, it doesn't just grow out of anywhere. Uh, It's not really outside the realm of possibility for a tax collector to really remind someone it'd be an unfortunate thing if certain windows were broken or certain merchandise was missing. And so you might want to pay some extra for protection, right? And so these soldiers could be the, the ones that would offer this protection. They might also be the ones that make it clear that you need protection. And so John the Baptist is saying, knock that stuff off. We we, we don't do that. But notice he never tells them to stop being a Roman soldier. Uh, So it's okay for them to be a soldier. There's something honorable in it, as long as they do this job honorably. Uh, Christ, when he uses an analogy in Matthew 12, 29, uh, Christ speaks of somebody breaking into the house, and the homeowner is not there to defend it, which means uh, the homeowner can defend uh, his property or his life or, or whatever is necessary. We think even Paul saying to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5 verse 8 uh, that uh, one is to defend not only the widows and orphans, but care for one's family. So the reality there is that the priority is preserving uh, one's family uh, when there is a threat. So we say as reformed people, and there's other things we can appeal to in the Old Testament case law, etc., Then yes, there is a provision in this, Uh, for self-defense and the preserving of life, but this isn't something we want to just haphazardly uh, promote or use as an excuse. But going on then, this isn't just physical. There's deeper implications of this. Uh, The Catechism goes on to speak of things that we can do. Belittle. Uh, This is minimizing the significance of someone or uh, the importance of someone's accomplishments, basically making them sound really small or or insignificant. And we're not to do that. Uh, Hate. Uh, This is really desiring the worst. I think Merriam-Webster has a definition of passionate dislike. Uh, That's one way of putting it. Uh, But it's really just wishing ill and and wanting bad things to happen to this person because there is no compassion, there is no empathy, there is no sympathy at all. Uh, You just want to see destruction. Uh, Insult. This is basically any scornful abuse against the neighbor. Uh, it's wrong. We're trying to basically put the person down once again, another form of belittling. Now, as the Catechism goes on, it, it cuts even deeper to the heart. Because now we, we might say, well, I don't do this stuff, like the catechism's telling me or saying. But it says, I don't kill my neighbor by my thoughts. It is actually having a thought of thinking about doing ill or wrong to your neighbor or wishing something wrong to happen to your neighbor. Uh, my words, something that's coming out of the heart, like maybe it's something careless that you say. Uh, my look or gesture, uh, making sure that we don't harm our neighbor by, that, by doing these things. Uh, not by your actual deeds. Again, uh, contributing to our, our sinfulness. And not be a party to this. So this is another thing where it reminds us when we talk about or confession of sin, of not doing things that we should have done. In other words, there's something we should have done, we failed to do it. That's what the catechism's getting at. Uh, we should have spoken up, we should have said, well, this isn't right, and we failed to do it. And so the catechism is telling us, listen, this is not how we function, this is not right. Going on there, it says, on the positive side of this, that we put all desire for revenge aside. So again, this is that uh, thing that's hard for us as human beings, right? Somebody wrongs us, and it could be as simple as someone cutting us off in traffic. Not that I've ever thought this, but you kind of wish the person had an accident after that, right? Something along those lines. Now, it's not right, uh, but you're, it's kind of making light, but it's the reality of, of how we are, you know? Something as small as that, and we're like, man, I wish this would just happen, to, you know? And then you realize, wait a minute, this isn't right. I'm desiring harm to come to this person For what reason? And our call as Christians is to preserve life. Uh, We're not to destroy life in any way. So that's a very general way of defining this commandment. Anything that preserves life, one's reputation, that's honorable. Anything that destroys life um, or destroys one's reputation, that's dishonorable. That's a very easy way to remember the implications of what this commandment lays out for us. Now as we go to Romans 12... And we hear what the Apostle Paul reminds us. He reminds us that we are those who live by the mercies of God. And I love, you know, it's kind of like what we've seen with Hebrews, but for Paul it's very explicit, very consistent. Let let me start with who you are in Christ. Let Let me remind you of the blessings you have. So the Apostle Paul, once he says mercies, we're reminded God has shown his mercy to us. But it also humbles us because it means we need mercy. We're not worthy to come into the Lord's presence. That's what the Apostle Paul is reminding us. It's by the mercy of God you have this relationship. You don't deserve it. You haven't earned it. You're not worthy of it. But God has shown his mercy. Therefore, be confident that you have it. Just understand how you've come into this this relationship and have come by these blessings. Now, the Apostle Paul reminds us in setting the context of this in verses 1 and 2 that what we do in the body really matters. He reminds us and uses this language from the Old Testament, living sacrifice. So This means everything about us, we're consciously living as a sacrifice to God. Now, notice this isn't to add to Christ's work. Uh, Some might try and claim that, but but that's not the, the, the point here. It's by the mercies of God not by our covenant faithfulness, by the mercies of God that we begin to live and conform unto Christ. And so he's saying live as a living sacrifice. And what's the standard that we do these things for the honor and glory of our God? Now he reminds us that there's this continual transformation, the renewal of our mind that we discern. So this means that we actually have a different mindset, a a different thought process that's breaking into us. Remember when we've talked about this in terms of sanctification, in verse 2, when he talks about this transformation, it's a metamorphosis. That's literally what it means, that we're, we're being progressively changed from the course of this life to the heavenly life. That there's a metamorphosis we're undergoing. So if you were ever a child and you had a pet caterpillar and you were distraught because this caterpillar all of a sudden just turned into this white goopy thing, you don't know what it is, and then it becomes a butterfly. That's what the Apostle Paul is reminding us. We're actually changing from that caterpillar to the beautiful butterfly, right? And this is by the grace of God. So it's not we're doing this in our covenant faithfulness, we're doing this by the mercies of God. So it's important when the Apostle Paul exhorts us about this transformation It's God at work within us. So when we hear this, it's that reminder that we're giving ourselves over to the Lord, right? I mean, we we don't deny that our wills are active. We we as Calvinists believe we have a will, but we're a little more cynical than those who are not in our tradition. Our wills don't naturally want to give over to the Lord. Uh, Our wills want to give in to ourselves. We we want to promote who we are. We don't want to promote who God is. And so that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Give yourself over to the Spirit. Give in to this metamorphosis. Conform to your Lord. Have this Christ-like mindset break into who you are. Continue to be conformed to the image of the living God. Now, continuing on, when we skip down rather than going through all these verses, we preach through different places in Romans 12. We're looking at verses 14 through 21. But the Apostle Paul is now calling us in terms of what the Catechism has said. So looking at these verses and kind of skipping through them, telling us to live in harmony. but then he says, do not be haughty. In other words, this is literally thinking high things. Uh, it's thinking um, in terms of I think about abstract things, therefore I'm superior to someone else. It's having a, a philosophical elitism, so, so to speak. And so, because I think more philosophically and, and more profound than you, therefore I'm better than you. And the Apostle Paul doesn't really cut, cut this to the heart. He's saying, don't be haughty, but he's saying, well, associate with the lowly. In other words, come down to earth, realize who you really are, Uh, you're you're not more intelligent or more significant than God. As he reminds us and goes on, that he tells us that not only as we live our lives, but there's an underscoring of how we associate with the lowly. And as we are those who associate with with the lowly, uh, we desire to do what is honorable in the sight of all, verse 17. And it's a reminder that as we live our lives before the face of God, that he tells us not to do what is wise in our own eyes. Basically, echoing Proverbs, Proverbs 3, verse 7. Uh, because we are those, you know, verse 16, that as we think that we're really wise, you know, we're thinking about lofty, high things, we're really smart. And the Apostle Paul is saying, let's just cut to the chase. Well, why don't you start with the fear of the Lord? As Proverbs is getting at in Proverbs 3, and if we're not starting with the fear of the Lord as a basis of our wisdom or knowledge or mindset, we're not very wise. And that's reality what Paul's saying. So in terms of murder, this is calling us to have this, this humbleness before our Lord and understanding, wait a minute, I'm creating the image of God. I'm a mere mortal. I'm a mere creature. Uh, no matter how high and lofty I may think I think, uh, no matter how many philosophers I may think that I read or I know, or I understand, I'm still a human being, I'm still created in the image of God. I still need Christ. I still need the Lord's mercy. And so wisdom, Paul is calling to our attention, is not starting with what I define wisdom to be. It starts with how Solomon defines wisdom, the fear of the Lord, desiring to please the living God. And so the Apostle Paul, in terms of this, in a very General sense, we're kind of picking apart some verses here, at least verse 16, and looking at this. But going on to consider the deeper meaning of murder. Obviously, uh, the catechism is aware of who we are, of trying to say, well, "I'm not that bad." And so 106 continues to to make the case uh, that we really are that bad. And it goes on uh, reminding us that uh, we got to get into the root of murder. And so, what is a root of murder? Right? I mean. This is basically taking James 1, verse 15, uh, where James is saying, sin just doesn't, you know, all of a sudden manifest itself. We go, whoa, where'd that come from? Uh, it's the reality of we're those who are thinking about it. Uh, we're starting to plot it, maybe justify it, maybe uh, make our case it is not so bad. And then all of a sudden we act it out. And so James is, is reminding us that, that we don't wait for the actual action of it or, or the fruit of the sin. We want to deal with the heart of it. And so as it's starting to, to percolate within us, to start thinking, why, why is this going on? What, what's happening within me? Why, why do I think this sin is okay? Why am I justifying this? Right. So we're, we're, we're invited to look within ourselves and not think about the fruit of it, but actually to, to cut it at the root and say this is fundamentally wrong right here. And so what are some of these things? Well, Envy. Uh, That's being resentful, basically giving ourselves over to a a complete covetousness that we want what someone has. And so we have this envy. This leads potentially to a hatred uh, where uh, we have this complete, uh, utter contempt for someone for whatever reason. Uh, Anger. Uh, This is a, a burst of showing displeasure where most of the time when we can no longer control the situation, this is how it manifests itself. Vengefulness. Again, it's hatching that plan of figuring out uh, how to actually get back at someone. It's not just wishing for something bad to happen, but it's actually hatching the plan and thinking about uh, how, how to do this, how to get back at someone for what has been done. And so the, the reality is, we are those who struggle. But now as, as we go on, and we think about, as we've already mentioned, Romans 12, verse 16, uh, and we've recognize who we are as those who can be wise in our own sight, uh, we know that there's an exhortation that continues to go on. uh, That the Apostle Paul, as he reminds us, going on in verse 17, we don't repay no one evil for evil, uh, but we give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. So we're basically dealing with Proverbs 20, verse 22, Proverbs 3, verse 7, along these lines, And again, it's the Apostle Paul taking the wisdom of Solomon and bringing it into the church and reminding us that we're not to render, as Solomon says, what we think is due. And and the reason why this is a fundamental problem is because we're putting ourselves in the place of God. We're desiring what needs to be done and what needs to be meted out, and, and we're not understanding that we're creatures. God's God. We're, we're the creatures, and it's hard for us as fallen sinners to, to fully come to grips with that. I mean, isn't this exactly what Satan holds out to Adam and Eve? You can be God. You can determine what's right and wrong. This is where we struggle. And so Paul's reminding us, don't, don't think about how to get back at someone. Don't think about how to give evil for evil. And so as he cites from Proverbs, it's a reminder again. What is the goal? What's the wisdom of God wanting to fear him, wanting to conform to him? Going on, as we have this reminder at the beginning of verse 16, this call to live in harmony with one another. Uh, This is, again, making explicit uh, what the implications are of not returning evil for evil. This is a challenge of, of what it is to live out the Christian life. Uh, that we desire to actually live in unison, we have the same desires, we have the same goal. Uh, we not we're not here to try and repay someone for what they have done, but we're continually understanding we're all in the heavenly sojourn together. And as we go on, and as he tells us to live in harmony with one another, not repay one another, and he goes on in verse eighteen, and possible as far as it depends on you. Live peaceably with all. So when we we hear this, we might say, well, well, what do these verses mean? It almost sounds like the Apostle Paul is starting at the beginning with saying, here's the standard of the gospel, it's in God. And now the standard is, what, what, what keeps the community happy? In other words, be a people pleaser. We wonder, well, is that really what the Apostle Paul is telling us? Uh, the Apostle Paul, again, is citing from Proverbs. In order to understand Romans 12, you really got to think in terms of Proverbs 3, Proverbs 22. And in Proverbs 3, uh, we're not exhorted to be people-pleasers. That is, pulling this out in the context of Proverbs with the reminder that as we desire to live in harmony, as we desire to uh, follow the Lord's instruction as to what is right and what is wrong and what promotes peace, um, we're actually bringing glory to God. And and Proverbs gives us this promise that that the Lord is pleased uh, with doing this. And so it's that reminder that we're not, again, desiring to repay evil with evil, but this desire to show that harmony in the peace of the gospel. So now when when we hear about this and we say, okay, well, well, what do we do with with all this reality that uh, we wonder, well, well, what, what do we do? How do we live this out? Uh, Well, he tells us, verse 19, don't avenge yourselves. But he tells us something else that gives us hope. Uh, Not not that, again, we have this hope and humility of understanding we've received mercy. But if someone's not going to turn from their ways, we have the assurance that the Lord sees this. Because he says, leave it to the wrath of God. In other words, he's saying, it's not up to you to met out justice. Uh, It's up to you to be faithful to the Lord. That's enough of a challenge for us. And we say, but what about injustice? What about the widows and the orphans that the Old Testament rebukes Israel for not caring for? What about the exploited? Does does no one care about them? I mean, obviously, in proper context, yes, we, we, we are called to care about them as well. But the Apostle Paul is saying, leave it to the wrath of God. In other words, the Lord sees this injustice and the Lord will deal with it. And he says, as he quotes again, quoting from Proverbs 22, also quoting from Deuteronomy 32-35, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And so the Apostle Paul is reminding us that the Lord, who is just, will met out his justice. So the Apostle Paul is saying, no, Don't worry about how this works out in the end. The Lord sees it. Live your life to bring glory to him, to honor him as his redeemed. So going on then, we say, well, what about the resolution of murder? Well, I mean, we, we understand that the deeper implications, how do we live positively? So when we talk about the law of God, we talk about the negative implication, we talk about the positive implication. Negative means this is what you are not to do. Positive, this is what you are to do. So this is where the Catechism in 107 lays out the positive. What what are we to do? Well, he says, Love our neighbors as ourselves. Be patient, peace-loving, gentle, merciful, friendly toward our neighbor, protect them from harm, do good to our enemies. Right? I mean, we we hear this. This is not a very easy thing for us to do. But this is what the Catechism is reminding us. And so when the Apostle Paul tells us uh, to live in harmony. He tells us as much as it depends on you. Because here's another reality. Uh, when, when we think about society, we, we can't always say everything's good. And we can't always say, yes, I, I agree with this. This is honorable. This is right. And, and this is wonderful. I mean, obviously, there comes a point where you say, I, I can't go along with that. That's, that's not honorable. That's not right. And so the the line that's drawn is what does the Lord say is right and what does the Lord say is wrong? And so that's why he says, as much as it depends on you. In other words, where you can be at peace and where you're doing what's right, live at peace. Now, if there's something that really needs to be addressed, then then address it. And if there's not peace there, then then so be it. Uh, That's not necessarily your problem. Uh, But the issue is wherever you can live at peace, Wherever you know you should be honoring the Lord, in those circumstances in those situations, honor the Lord. So again, this goes back to the opening of Romans 12. Transform mind, discern what's pleasing to God, and it's that understanding of what's a proper godly fight, what's not a proper godly fight. And and we need to be clear on that. And we need to also be clear as to why do we think this is a fight that's necessary. Is it vengeance? Is it for my reputation? Is it for the glory of the Lord? Is it truly something that's clear in Scripture, right? These are the things uh, we ask ourselves. But it's the Apostle Paul reminding us as much as it depends on us, make sure we're seeking to live that peaceful life for the honor and glory of our God. But now, as as we go through this and and we see this exhortation, it's a strong exhortation. In verse 20. This isn't something that's very easy for us to do. We see our enemy hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Now this comes from Proverbs 25, this burning coals. Uh, the, the intention of what we have prior to this is basically citing Christ in the Sermon on the Mount of showing this love for our neighbor's Christ talking about when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me, right? We, we remember Christ saying these words. Well, the Apostle Paul is reminding us of this. Yes, we're, we're called to show love even to our enemies. But this heaping burning coals on one's head, this is something that's debated. Uh, you take Proverbs, and Proverbs presents it as it's a, a conditional thing. So you heap burning coals. You're bringing God's judgment against your enemy because you're doing kindness and that individual is not being appreciative. That's one understanding, taking Proverbs, bringing it into Romans 12. I, I can see the force of it. Uh, I don't know if I have the time to make the full force of that argument, but I think we, we, we get a flavor of it. Proverbs says, you know, you do this, you're going to bring the wrath of God upon your enemy. But the other view of this is that we have to take verse 20 and 21 and see how Paul reworks this a little bit. Because again, people will appeal and say yes, and God's the one who brings vengeance. And so when we do these kind things, the like coals, it's referring to the fire and the hellfire. But the Apostle Paul, in verse 21, it's a very profound verse. Because he reminds us of our propensity to be overcome by evil. This is who we are. That's, We say, so-and-so did X, therefore I need to do Y. I need to show the individual who's boss, right? So that's being overcome by evil. And the Apostle Paul is saying, remember what I said in verses 1 and 2. Remember the metamorphosis. Remember the transforming power of the gospel. Seek to conform to Christ. Don't be overcome by evil. So this would begin to create a tension and understanding that we're Keeping the burning coals so the person has a worse judgment. This would be us saying, Aha, I'm going to keep these burning coals upon you so you have a worse judgment. That will teach you. So, so we're getting there. We're kind of seeing that uh, Paul's sort of massaging the intention of this proverb. But he makes it more explicit. Because at the end of this verse he says, But overcome evil with good. So right here, the Apostle Paul is saying, you're not doing this to say, see, I'm the one who's going to teach you a lesson and you're going to have a worse judgment. Remember the beginning, the mercies of God. The Apostle Paul wants us to understand, do you think you're worthy to be in church? Do you think you're worthy to have Christ? Do you think you're worthy to be a recipient of the gospel and to receive the Spirit by God's regenerating mercy and, and just being moved by whatever moved God to do it? The answer is no. So the Apostle Paul is saying, isn't it better to overcome the evil with good? Along the lines of when, when he addresses um, how do you live in, in terms of this mixed marriage in 1 Corinthians 7, for instance. You know, one partner's a believing spouse, the other partner's not a believing spouse, you get divorced, how do you view your children The Apostle Paul is saying, live out your marriage. Live out your marriage with the unbeliever, because how do you know that your spouse isn't going to see how you live and say, you know what? There's something credible about that system. There's there's actually something I see in that person that's wonderful and different than than what I see with, with all these other systems. I want to know more about this. And so this is kind of what we're talking about in terms of of an element of evangelism, living our life before the face of God. And so when we're not reacting like a fallen sinner, but we're reacting in terms of of this metamorphosis taking effect within us, what's happening? The glory of God is shining through. An individual is saying, man, I I was absolutely rotten to this person, and uh, they, they should react different. Why are they not reacting the way I expect them to react? And so that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Be conscious of this Christian testimony, which is what the Catechism is reminding us of. That that the challenge of murder is understanding it's not just literally taking a human life, but it's understanding our attitude, our struggle, and positively, fundamentally, uh, struggling through and showing that love of Christ and the humility of who we are as a redeemed people. And so in conclusion then, what is the deeper intention of the Lord's commandment for us not to murder? Well, the deeper intention is that it goes to our words and even down to our own desires. Uh, that the reality is when we really contemplate the implications of this command not to murder, uh, we, we recognize we struggle. Uh, and, and we're not those who are as righteous and pure as we might think we are. We struggle. But the command... It's not for us to be people pleasers, like we said, in terms of just making sure that you live at peace with everyone and make sure that everything's fine and, and you know make sure that everything's good for the community. It's having that wisdom and discernment of knowing what honors Christ and what dishonors Christ. And, and so that's the standard. And that's the challenge as we undergo this, this Christian metamorphosis or sanctification. What pleases the Lord And what doesn't please the Lord. And in terms of of responding, this is not a natural response by any means. But by the grace of God, here's an exhortation for us to give ourselves over to the Spirit. To not respond as a fallen man or a fallen creature. But to respond as one that truly desires to overcome evil with good. To bring glory to our God. And how do we do this? We do this because we know that by the grace of God, we're undergoing that Christian metamorphosis, that transformation of being the fallen sinner, growing to be the one who is being transformed by the power of heaven, by the power of the Spirit. And the Apostle Paul is exhorting us to give ourselves over to this. Again, Romans 12, when he writes this, he's writing this because these are not natural things for us to do, right? Where is an exhortation in the word of God to make sure your heart beats or to make sure you breathe or to make sure you eat? I mean, these are things that that are just innate. We, we, We know this is what we need. And so when the apostle Paul exhorts us, he's exhorting us to consciously put these things on so we honor our Lord. But we only do this as those who have been redeemed in Christ, made alive in him, joined to him by his Spirit, and those who are undergoing a glorious metamorphosis as a heavenly people. Amen. Thank you for watching or listening to our podcast. Belgrade URC is a Reformed Bible-believing church that seeks to cultivate community around our Savior. If you desire to learn more about Christianity, please join us for worship each Sunday at 10 in the morning or 6 in the evening. You can do this in person or on our live stream. You can also utilize our archived sermon series on our website urcbelgrade.com or subscribe to our current sermon series through Most Common Podcatchers. Until we meet again, may the Lord's blessing and peace be upon you.